Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to episode 95 of the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. I have to say, without the support, we really would not still be here. I don't want to take on schemes just because it's giving money to us. And that's just my ethos. It's, it has been all the way through. We hear the government talking repeatedly about looking forwards and we all want to look forwards, we all want to be able to thrive again. But in order to do so, we need that bridge to be able to get back on our feet and look forwards and rebuild our livelihoods and businesses. It's costing us a huge amount of money, billions and billions and billions of pounds. And there's got to be a ceiling on that, right? Has there? We've got to say at some point we can no longer afford to provide the level of financial support that we are providing. This week, along with witch money expert Gareth Shaw, we'll be unpicking the latest pandemic support package. Find out what's changing across the board as we go on to discuss the prospects of looming unemployment, where the support falls short and how it's being exploited. We are witch. After what has at times seemed like an endless lockdown, things are slowly beginning to ease. In England, the rule of six has returned, while similar measures have been announced in the other home nations. And from next Monday, England's restrictions will relax further, with non-essential shops opening, pub gardens and outdoor dining returning, as well as hairdressers and beauty salons. But while things start to slowly return to normal, COVID support measures are still very much needed to cushion the blow from the pandemic. And this month, with the start of the new tax year, there are some big changes. So, Gareth, let's start with the furlough scheme. It was reported that last month, when the scheme was originally due to end, around five million people were still receiving it. Gareth, how will it be changing in the months to come? The furlough scheme is going to be around with us for quite a while. It doesn't formally end uh, until the end of September 2021, but it will change in a very similar way that it did last time when the government was very hopeful over the summer last year uh, that the pandemic was easing off, that it could start to take the foot off the pedal, as it were, with some of the financial support they were providing and wind down these schemes. So furlough in its current form, just remember, it pays 80% of a furloughed employee's salary. That remains unchanged until uh, the end of June. The employer is still supposed to pay national insurance and pension contributions. So employers are making a contribution to their furloughed employee's salary, but obviously it's not the huge amount, which is their pay um, and their income tax and all of that kind of stuff. 
Then from July, employers have to pay a little bit more. So they have to pay 10% towards the hours that their staff don't work, uh, national insurance and pension contributions. And then in August and September, that will increase to 20%. At the end of September, the furlough scheme should end if we are in a good enough position to say we've got through the worst of the pandemic, we can live our lives and do our jobs as normally as we could expect to do and and say that we've kind of seen the back end of um, the pandemic. Now, while the furlough scheme will continue to protect jobs for the next few months, the added pressure on employers to contribute will cause job uncertainty. And its September end date has been repeatedly described as a cliff edge. This week, the Times reported that some 850,000 jobs would be at risk. Gareth, could we see mass unemployment as the scheme comes to a close? I think that's a fear that is rooted in some reality. We just don't know. You know, Has the extension of the furlough scheme been effectively a stay of execution for hundreds of thousands or millions of people? Or, you know, is the time right? Has the government timed the end of the scheme correctly? And we won't know that until we know where we are as a nation, where we are with COVID cases, where we are with deaths and hospitalisations and all of these kind of grim things that the government has to weigh up before it makes decisions about reopening um, the economy. We need to know where we're going to be around July and August to say whether or not closing the furlough scheme in September creating that cliff edge, as it were, was the right decision. There is some argument that the government should never put a deadline on the furlough scheme and just say it ends when businesses no longer need it. And um, that's when we know that things are returning to what looks like normal life, although things are going to be very different, as as we all know. There is an argument for that. And then it wouldn't create that uncertainty for businesses. They would have that safety net there that would allow them to motor back up and get back up to full strength, have, you know, people willing to spend money with with their business before they made any decisions about their staffing. Um, But, you know, there's a very strong counter argument to that is. It's costing us a huge amount of money, billions and billions and billions of pounds. And mm. there, there's got to be a ceiling on that, right? Has there? Uh, you know, we, 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 we've got to say at some point we can no longer afford to provide the level of financial support that we are providing. So that's probably why the government has put that marker in there in the hope that it's long enough. It's, you know, it's five or six months left it's long enough for us to get the majority of the nation vaccinated to um, give people the confidence to go out and start spending money in businesses like they were in the past. Uh, And and hopefully there's no need for employers to be furloughing staff anymore. You're absolutely right that there's, there's definitely risk of people losing their jobs even six months down the line. Another big change to the government's support plan comes with the fourth and fifth instalments of the Self-Employed Income Support Scheme. First, let's hear the announcement on this made by the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, during the budget last month. And I can also announce a major improvement in access to the Self-Employed Scheme. When the scheme was launched, the newly self-employed couldn't qualify 
because they hadn't all filed the 1920 tax return. But as the tax return deadline has now passed, I can announce today that provided they filed a tax return by midnight last night, over 600,000 more people, many of whom became self-employed last year, can now claim the fourth and fifth grants. Listeners will know we've been following the story of the people excluded from the government's COVID support. And the fourth grant will address this to an extent. Gareth, can you give more detail on how the self-employed support is changing? Yes. Just a reminder, the self-employed grant uh, or self-employed income support scheme, as it's known, that pays you 80% of the average of your trading profits from the past three um, tax years. So you take your your um, profits from those three years, um, average them up, and you'll get 80% of that average. Um, there are there have been three grants so far. Um, there the as Mr. Sunak announced in that clip, um, they're going to be a fourth and fifth one. The fourth one, you'll be uh, able to apply for that soon. We're expecting that to open in the next couple of weeks. Uh, The fifth grant is going to be available around about July time. The, The changes here are pretty critical to hundreds of thousands of people. You are now able to include your profits from the 2019 20 tax year because you should have submitted your tax return uh, on the 28th of February. You did get a little extension um, this year, which means HMR knows how much money you earn in that tax year. And therefore, all of the people that went self-employed in the past tax year that were initially excluded from accessing the grant are now eligible for it. And that that means that 600,000 extra people will be able to claim the fourth and fifth grant. Unfortunately, they won't be able to claim the first, second or third grant. So it's only these two grants that are available to them. But that is going to help an awful lot of people who were self-employed, who lost work. But because they because of the year that they turned self-employed in, they weren't eligible for the grant. There's also a, a shift in the structure of payments. So the fourth grant, you'll get 80 percent of your trading profits and average. For the fifth grant, you'll only get 80% if you can demonstrate that your profits were down by uh, at least 30%. So if they were down by less than that, you'll get 30% of your trading profits. I know I'm throwing an awful lot of percentages at you. It's making it less generous for um, some people. Probably the thinking there is that if you you know, that, that your your profits would have recovered to some extent. And therefore, you know, you, you perhaps you don't need as much of a grant from the government. So if you're still in dire straits, you've still lost an awful lot of work and an awful lot of money, you'll still be able to get 80%. But but if it if the hit hasn't been too dramatic for you, then you'll get a much, much lower grant. But while this goes some way to help the excluded, campaigners say this change doesn't go far enough, as the co-founder of Excluded UK, Sonali Joshi, has been telling us. Well, of course, we welcomed the inclusion of the newly self-employed in the self-employment income support scheme, which was announced in the budget uh, going forwards. And along with many other voices, this is something that we've been campaigning for throughout And obviously, given the time that has elapsed, we're one year on, it obviously would have been quite absurd if they hadn't been included. That said, we do dispute the figure of 600,000 
which the Chancellor mentioned as being the number of more self-employed individuals who would now be able to access the scheme. According to ONS data for 2019, and these are the figures that we've gone by, 151,000 individuals became newly self-employed between April and December 2019. So we scaled that up to give an estimate of 200,000 over the course of the year, which would seem fairly logical. And with so many still excluded from government funds, Sonali went on to explain how far it still needs to go. The overriding call from people who've been affected has been for parity in support, because that's essentially what's happened. There are huge disparities that have been created by the schemes. It's been mentioned from various quarters that the schemes were poorly targeted. So these disparities um, are very unfair and unjust. And parity and support is certainly what people would like to see. At the same time, we know that further to what the Chancellor announced in the budget and the fact that we're now one year on and all the focus is now on opening up the economy, it doesn't look like parity is coming. That really doesn't seem realistic. But people do need support to get back on their feet when they've already faced one year of little to no support, little to no income. We, we hear the government talking repeatedly about um, looking forwards and we all want to look forwards. We all want to be able to thrive again, those of us who've been affected in this way. Uh, but in order to do so, we need that bridge to be able to get back on our feet and look forwards and rebuild our livelihoods and businesses. We are which. To help people with low incomes through the pandemic, we should also mention there has been an extension to the rise in universal credit and there is a new working tax credit payment available. And while the official deadline to apply for a payment holiday on the likes of loans and mortgages has now passed, you might still be able to get a payment holiday. Gareth, can you talk us through the latest here? Yes, let's tick those off, Lucia. So there's a one-off £500 working tax credit payment if you get working tax credits, you'll you'll be able to get this this five hundred pounds payment to help you get through the um, crisis. There's a twenty pounds a week uplift that's been extended uh, to universal credit. That's that's actually being extended for six months, and there there have been some other increases in benefits as well. So pension credit has gone up, child benefits got up, the state pension always goes up. Uh, that's gone up by two and a half percent as well. We're talking about support from private businesses, i.e. banks. Um, yes, the ability to automatically get a mortgage payment holiday has ended. That ended on the 31st of March. You can no longer just go to an online portal, tell your bank you want to take a payment holiday and stop paying your mortgage for a little while. What is in place of that is what the regulator calls tailored support. Now, this is this means that you have to go and have a conversation with your bank. You need to talk about the situation that you're in, and it will come up with a measure of support for you that is suitable to your needs. That might still be a mortgage payment holiday, so you pay nothing. It might be that you only pay the interest on your mortgage, for example, or that you have reduced capital payments. So you'll still make a, a contribution, but you're not paying as much as you should have done. It might be that you extend your mortgage term so that you have lower um, monthly repayments. So there's a whole smorgasbord of options that your bank can uh, discuss with you to make sure that you've got a kind of payment support solution that's tailored to the situation that you're in. The downside of this, previously when you took a payment holiday, 
it was not marked on your credit file as a missed payment. Now, if you agree with your bank that you're not going to pay your mortgage at all, that can now show up on your credit history. This is why it's really critical you talk to your bank and you try and find a solution. And of course, missed payments on your credit history can have a long term impact on your credit worthiness and your ability to borrow and get the best value products in the future. So you do really need to think carefully and think about your finances and what you could afford, because if you can afford to make a contribution to your mortgage, for example, or to any other debt repayments, that means that you're still making repayments and you're not potentially damaging your credit file that's really going to benefit you in the long run. Of course, some people won't have a choice because they simply cannot afford to pay their mortgage because of the their financial situation. But if you can afford to make a contribution, have that conversation with your bank and um, see what can be worked out. And going back to the self-employed grant, if you have received one, one change is that from this week, you will have to start paying tax on it. Gareth, how does this work? And do you think it's as widely known as it should be? Because researching for this episode, I was surprised at how few articles I found on it. I think you're right. I think people are going to get a bit of a shock when it comes to filling out their tax return, not realising that 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 grant was taxable income. And Mm. did they put aside, you know, their 20 or 30 percent to ensure they they could cover the tax? Uh, It will be a bit of a shock. Uh, But yes, it is taxable. Now, you said um, you start paying tax on it from this week. You're not expected to pay that tax this week. What you mean there is that uh, we are now in the 2020-2021 tax year for for tax returns. So if you took one of the first three self-employed grants, that would have taken place in that tax year, the 2020-21 tax year. And uh, your tax return for this is due online on the 31st of January. And that's when the tax payable will be due as well. So if you took, I don't know, eight or £10,000 worth of self-employed grants, you may have a £2,000 bill to pay on the 31st of January to cover those grants, certainly if you didn't have any other income. The good thing is, is you have a, a tax-free allowance that in, in the last tax year, that was £12,500. So if you genuinely didn't earn any money in that tax year, except for the self-employed grant, then you shouldn't have any tax to pay. But if you did manage to do some work, earn some income, and you took the grants as well, then those grants will be taxable if you have a tax liability. If you take the fourth and fifth grant, that tax is not going to be due to be paid until 2023. That sits in the 2021-22 tax year, and you don't need to do your tax return for that until the 31st of January 2023. So if you're new to these grants, you don't necessarily have to worry about a tax bill for quite a while. So if you take the fourth and fifth, and those are the only grants you take, you don't have to worry about tax for a while. But if you've taken grants in the past, you need to be thinking about how you're going to pay that tax bill come the 31st of January next year. 
Now, for businesses, I saw some interesting stats published by the Treasury last month reporting that nearly £180 billion in emergency loans has been issued and that a loan was given every 20 seconds through the Bounce Back loan scheme since it was launched launched last May. So we're talking about huge amounts of funding here, but how has it actually impacted businesses on the ground? Let's first hear from business owner Claire Rogers, who's preparing to reopen her salon by the coast next week. Hi, I'm Claire Rogers, owner and MD of The Treatment Rooms, a beauty salon in Brighton. We have 10 treatment rooms and 19 contracted staff. I have to say, without the support, we really would not still be here. Being a high street salon, we've obviously had our rates frozen last year and for this financial year as well, or this rateable year. Um, And that's a huge difference. We really couldn't have coped with paying that with um, nominal income. Also, the grants, um, subject to obviously our rateable value, that's made a huge difference. Although, in my case, with such a big team, it kind of has been paying PAYE, pension contributions, and the larger grants um, (laughs) towards my VAT. I just paid a VAT bill this morning, which the next grant coming in will kind of hopefully counteract that. I don't want to take on schemes just because it's giving money to us. I do want to do ones that are going to support employing the right people for us, training the right people for us. Um, So I think, you know, the concern is there's probably going to be some abuse of that. So it will be taking on things that are just right for us. And that's just my ethos. it, It has been all the way through. After Claire spoke with us, she emailed to flag a couple of areas where she'd like to see more from the government, including a VAT cut on services like the reduction to 5% seen in hospitality. So a couple of questions here, Gareth. What help is available for businesses now and in the coming months? And should it be doing more, including making it fairer across different industries? Well, a load of schemes have just closed and some new ones have cropped up. So Claire was talking about and you were talking about the bounce back loan scheme. There's also been the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme and the coronavirus large business interruption loan scheme. They all closed on the 31st of March this year. There are two things that are available now. There's the recovery loan and the restart grant. Now, the restart grant's very interesting. That's available to non-essential retail, hospitality, accommodation, leisure, personal care and gym businesses. Exactly uh, one of the sectors that Claire operates her business within. You know, they will be able to get a grant. And the difference between a grant and a loan Uh, is that um, you don't have to pay a grant back. So the total cost of this measure is £5 billion. Non-essential retail businesses can get up to £6,000 when they reopen. That's for non-essential retail businesses. But businesses in hospitality and leisure can get up to £18,000 as a grant. That, That was all announced in the budget. So they are really designed to help um, the firms that have been the hardest hit that, you know, by mandate of government have been told to close. If you don't fall in, if those businesses don't fall into 
those sectors, then the recovery loan scheme is in place. And, and that can be paid out to any businesses that are still trading um, that have been affected by COVID. They can get up to £10 million. The government have backed the loans up to 80%. And you know businesses can get these loans for as short as three months or for as long as uh, six years. But you know, fees and charges apply, including interest of up to 14.99%. That is a huge, huge interest rate. Some businesses have will have no choice but to borrow money to stay afloat. But given that the Bank of England base rate is 0.1%, that is quite a punitive charge for them to access something that they without a global pandemic, would probably have never taken. Or if they did want to borrow money from a bank, would have borrowed at a much, much more competitive rate. But look, it's there. It's being made available for them. And, you know, if they've got to take it, they've got to take it. And I'd like to pick up on the point Claire mentions at the end of her clip earlier, the idea of people exploiting the schemes. So preparing for this week's show, I saw loads of articles on this, including a big story on a very well-known publisher claiming furlough despite profit booms, a quite shocking report on millionaire aristocrats claiming furlough, and at the other end of the scale on fraudulent claims, HMRC is said to be instating a task force to clamp down on fraud. Gareth, I know sadly there always seems to be cases where the system is abused, but could we say it's been worse during the pandemic? There has always been the risk that unscrupulous organisations or individuals have looked to exploit something that's very, very new, has been put together very quickly and is designed to get support out to people as fast as possible. You know, it's absolutely right that the government looks to crack down on this and root out those bad apples that have taken advantage of the scheme. Because ultimately, it's our money, it's taxpayer money that's being spent to help keep individuals and businesses afloat. I, I think what we've also seen in tandem with fraud in the system is scammers t- trying to take advantage of um the schemes themselves as well by hoodwinking people into thinking they're accessing the schemes when they're actually not or if they're eligible to the schemes and they're giving personal details over and this is a sad fact whenever you get something new or big or topical or zeitgeisty fraudsters and scammers will look to take advantage of it the challenge will always be how do you police all of this when you are in a state of emergency so I expect that HMRC will be digging into fraud in the furlough system uh, and the other schemes that it that it has been operating for many, many years to come, because it's going to take time to really figure out who's been trying to dupe the system. Thank you so much, Gareth, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Witch Money podcast. If you've got a comment or question, as always, on anything we've mentioned today, please let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or on social media at Witch Money. And for more money news and advice, head to witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Kim Carver. Music